0: Welcome back to the 40th episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. And today we're going to be flipping through some of the top stories coming out about China. We have one here about how Huawei has officially been cut off in the U.S. Another talking about how firms may not actually want to invest in China going forward. And a move in the U.K., that is meant to strengthen their own security position, but also undercut China a little bit. And, of course, we'll end today with our daily delight, a story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now, that's enough rambling for me. Let's get into our daily debate. And, obviously, we're going with a the China theme here. So I'll ask you, do you think China is the next... Big threat. Up until probably a year ago, most people would have said yes. China is the rising threat. We need to worry about them most on the global stage. They are already one of our greatest economic problems. And I say problems. They're a great contributor, and we've worked with them very well. We've helped open up their economy. But at the end of the day, if you're looking at the global economy, they are the U.S.'s biggest competitor. So. You know, this sentiment had been growing that we need to start worrying about China a little bit more. But then Russia invaded Ukraine, and that reframed some of the conversation about who we need to be worried about. And, of course, people are still worried that China may invade Taiwan, and that's why they are still at the forefront of some conversations. But I ask you, is China the number one threat? Or, because of Russia's aggression, are Russia the number one threat in your mind? I'd love to th- have your thoughts put down in the comments section below. The last video got a few comments that I responded to. It's great to see a little bit more engagement. I like it. Now, let's get into our first story. Like I said, it comes from the American Military News, and the headline reads, U.S. bans Huawei and eight other Chinese companies. And if you've been paying attention, both Trump and Biden have both put in executive orders that have outright banned certain U.S. companies from working with Chinese companies. And the Huawei ban was actually put in place, or at least the ball was pushed a little bit and now it's rolling full steam. Trump enacted a executive order that said we cannot use Huawei technology when creating 5G infrastructure. And there was a big push in, to get other countries to do the same thing, to not have Huawei get involved in creating their new infrastructure. And, of course, this is a big deal because 5G is the technology of the future. It enables faster communications. And a lot of countries, of course, want to get in on this. They want to have the most up-to-date infrastructure. They want to be able to send information back and forth to one another very quickly, within their own country very quickly. But any company that works in China, any China-based company, has to, at the end of the day, be subservient to the Chinese Communist Party. And I know I'm kind of straying from the article, but you do need to have this background and this understanding to get why It's a big deal that these companies are trying to reach into Africa, Europe, other parts of Asia, South America, North America, and they're trying to sell their products to these countries because at the end of the day, yes, they can make a lot of money building out this 5G infrastructure, but also the Chinese Communist Party behind the scenes is telling them, okay, you go out there. We want you to make lots of money for your company and therefore the country. But we also want to have a, a backdoor into some of these systems so that we can access the information. We can try to get access to patents and other intellectual property, as well as state secrets and other types of confidential communications. If you look at the center of, oh, I feel terrible, but the, there was an organization in Africa that brought together a lot of the largest states And it was basically like an African union. And the Chinese government was contracted to build their headquarters. Years later, it was found out that the headquarters was planted with lots of bugs, uh, communication devices to listen in on what was happening during some of the key meetings in this union of African states. And I feel very terrible that I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it was a huge pressing story. And the reason I bring it up is it really does support the fact the Chinese government, they are using their companies that are based inside their country to spread their influence over the world and gain information. And if Huawei was to be able to sell their 5G infrastructure to all of these countries, then they would have a even larger way to get hold of this information. And remember... It's not just about, oh, well, we're installing this 5G network once in order to upgrade it, in order to supplement it with new pieces of technology. They would have to call in Huawei again. So even if they don't build in the most rigorous or the best backdoor system the first time, because of the fact that they're going to be servicing it constantly, they can add these features later that allow the Chinese government or even Huawei just to siphon off information going through those systems. So this was a huge national security concern. And that's why Trump and Biden and almost everybody in Congress, this is a bipartisan issue, has come behind this legislation executive order to say, no, no, we are not going to be dealing with Huawei. We're not going to be selling them technology and we're also not going to be buying them technology. There's a quote here, quote, the U.S. has banned electronics from Huawei and several other Chinese companies from being sold or imported a decisive step to contain the influence of companies already deemed national security threats that may be spying for China. The Federal Communications Commission on Friday closed a loophole that allowed U.S. companies to purchase electronic equipment from companies, including Huawei, that the U.S. government had deemed too risky to buy from itself, end quote. And this really highlights here that even if the U.S. government is not buying this technology or directly using this technology, if it's a part of the infrastructure of other companies, if other companies are using it who contract into the U.S. government, then that's a concern because then there's a small, maybe not necessarily the largest in the world, but a, still a small window of opportunity for these countries or companies to get access to information that the US government wants to keep secret. There's another quote here, quote, the covered list, which currently includes nine Chinese companies and one Russian company, were banned from selling in the United States. Quote, it marks the first time in FCC history that it banned communications and electronics equipment for national security concerns with the broad bipartisan backing of congressional leadership. End quote. And I think it's, of course, important to highlight that this is a bipartisan effort. People, if anything, the Cold War was our great fight against communism and the USSR. It was a uniting force. And the fact that this is a bipartisan measure, in my opinion, shows that this could be another rallying rallying point. Currently it's very divisive in American politics and I know that's not a fresh opinion. I'm not trying to say, "Oh, wow, look at me observing something new. It's divisive in politics." We know that it's been a divisive last few years in politics. But having a con- common enemy, having someone who we can say, "Okay, you, you know, I may not agree with you on everything, but we still agree that a rep- democratic republic, democracy, republicanism, Uh, freedom, more liberal worldviews, we still believe that those are better than communism, Marxism, planned economies. And if we can have that common enemy, uh, you know, Democrats and Republicans can both have that common enemy, then maybe we can rally again and have a common American identity around the values that we love and see China as the contrast, the counterpoint to that. And, like I said, it may bring us together. But, There's also the flip side, and I think that this needs to be brought up, not trying to say that this isn't a good move to ensure our national security, but you have to be very hesitant when the government says or makes bans, bans certain products, certain things, and says that we're doing it for national security concerns. Because even though they may be doing it for national security concerns, which I'm not saying they're not, it's just a blanket statement and if it becomes used enough eventually if the american populace becomes so used to them saying oh well it's a national security concern we have to ban it or we have to do this because it's a national security concern then it can kind of become a a cover-all statement. Oh, we need to get rid of your freedom to speech because it could be a national security concern. We need to make sure that there aren't uprisings against the government. We need to ensure that the nation is secure. And I know that is very cynical and maybe a little bit negative pessimistic, but I just want to point out that we can't just let them say, oh, it's a national security concern. Simple, done. We're not going to elaborate. Now, if they elaborate, if they have good reasonings behind it and also it's something that's backed by not just the politicians, the people in power, but also the populace who is informed, then that's a good thing. So I just want to make sure keep, you know, your eyes open whenever you see it's a national security threat, national security concern. Then you need to have your spidey sense go off a little bit and say, oh, hold on. okay, maybe it is let's do a little bit of research because when they first enacted the Patriot Act it yes the whole point was to increase monitoring so we can find terrorists that were living inside the United States that pose a threat to the nation but over time the the purview of the agencies using the national security act to sorry the Patriot Act to monitor the population They slowly began to more closely monitor the population that may, you know, they may be a little bit threatening in some way. But even then, it's not to the same degree that they outright want to destroy America because they think that's an evil place. It may just be, oh, they spoke out against the government once or twice. We should keep an eye on them. So we have to keep these things in mind. When you give the government power, especially when it's framed as, oh, we'll give you power to keep us safe then you have to remember that we have to keep them as check as a population. So that's why I think listening to not necessarily just this podcast, other podcasts, reading the news every single day, these sort of things that allow you to stay informed, to be an educated citizen are extremely, extremely important. Because at the end of the day, we are supposed to be informed so we can elect officials so they can ensure our security and also ensure that our liberties are preserved and that we prosper in this nation. But also we have to be informed so that when they aren't doing that, we can hold them accountable rather than just saying, oh, well, you know, he's he's been in office for 30 years and my taxes haven't gone up. I'll just vote for him again. When he may a candidate, he or she may have some blaring issues that aren't brought up in the media very much, but you're just so comfortable voting for them because you're not informed and they've been your senator for 30 years, and you might just say, oh, well, I'm voting R, I'm voting D. So that's why staying informed in these sort of situations is extremely important so you know when the government's BSing you and when you need to stand up for what you believe in and take a more active role in the governing of our country. That is the beautiful thing of our republic slash democracy. It's an amazing thing. We have the ability to vote, but you should, I'm not saying you shouldn't vote if you're not informed, but to be a good citizen and to be able to best aid your country, you should be an informed citizen so that your vote means more and you can ensure that the country's going in a good direction. All right. I got really far off there. Just, I'll really summarize it real quick. Huawei, at the end of the day, is possibly selling information or giving information to the Chinese Communist Party. So the Biden, Trump, just the government in general, they have all said, okay, we're not going to take any more technology from them and we're also not going to sell them any technology because we don't want to aid their ability to collect this information. And the other part of this was a rant about, hey, national security don't let the government just randomly throw that term around and use it as a blanket statement to do whatever they want make sure you're critical when you're reading some of these things and take the time to investigate and be an active member of our society all right so back on to china our next article comes from fortune foreign investors may trim exposure to china after deadly lockdown fire triggers covid protests Risk appetite will take a hit. So I'm sure everybody is very aware of China's zero COVID policy, which has caused the country to practically be locked down every other week. And I say the country, different regions of the country to be locked down every other week. And then they have the drones. You've probably seen these videos go across social media or on the news. The drones outside yelling and screaming, stay in your houses, da, da, da. It's some really scary, authoritarian, 1984, brave new world, whatever dystopian book or novel or even movie you want to bring up, it kind of beckons back to those sort of images. So with China starting to ease the zero COVID policy things, some investors have started to say, hey, okay, China is finally opening up their economy again. The supply chain issues may start, slowing down, we may be able to keep investing, and big companies such as BlackRock have continued to up their investment throughout the majority of the COVID pandemic. Disclosure, I do own some shares of BlackRock. I think they are a despicable company, but at the end of the day, I think they're very good at what they do. So I own shares, but I do not support them morally and that probably speaks to me i should probably honestly sell those shares because at this point i probably sound like a a greedy little capitalist but the mood has changed a little bit quote protests against china's covid curbs may cast a shadow on the nation's assets and broader risk assessment in global markets as trading resumes after the weekend Quote, demands for stocks to commodities and currencies tied to uh, trade with China, including the Australian dollar and Korean won, may weakened, end quote. And this has to do with the protests that we're seeing spring up all across the country. We saw a very brief one in in Beijing when the Communist Party was having its meeting where Xi Jinping was elected to be elected, quote unquote, to be president of the Communist Party for a third term. And it was a gentleman who put up a protest sign on a bridge saying, end zero COVID policy and, I believe, overthrow Xi. I actually reported on it in a podcast a while ago. Because certain dissent like this is not normally accepted in the authoritarian regime that is China where almost everything is monitored, you have a social credit score, They have the COVID apps now that I think they're going to keep in place. This is not 100% true. This is my conjecture. I think they're going to keep them in place currently to say, okay, well, COVID's over, but this app is still going to tell you whether you can go out or not, whether or not we're assessing you for being a violator of social norms or anything of that nature. So we've seen those protests pop up. And now there are a few more protests after a fire this last weekend in an apartment complex. So we're starting to see a lot more unrest in China. And this is not necessarily uncommon of an authoritarian regime, but China is normally pretty good at keeping it tamped down. Their deal with the people, and this comes from my professor to global politics, so the phrasing may be a little bit off, but basically the deal with the people and the Chinese Communist Party was all right, we're going to plan the economy from a central point of view, but we're going to provide you with economic prosperity. We're going to lift thousands, even millions out of poverty, and then you vote for us and keep us in power. And that has been the deal between the CCP and the populace for a long time. But now that the CCP has really used their power to keep the people down, to force them to stay locked in their homes, to not travel when they want to because of covid restrictions to really strangle the economy as well and stop a lot of production of key goods meaning people are not thriving economically anymore you can kind of see the people saying okay we don't have the same prosperity that we had now we're going to riot we we can put up with all the draconian bs of having people disappear uh not having freedom of speech online not being able to play video games when we want, and yes, I know that sounds weird, but they actually did ban uh, video gaming at a certain time of day for children and other adults, which I thought was funny. But all these things, you know, they were accepted because at the end of the day, the Chinese Communist Party was providing prosperity and economic growth. Now that that has slowed, the people are starting to protest on top of a few more human rights violations that are coming to light. So this has caused some people to say, okay, maybe we shouldn't invest in China anymore. Quote, the dramatic turn of events, fresh uncertainty, add fresh uncertainties to the outlook of the world's number two economy and its markets. Just as some recent loosening of virus controls and sweeping property rescue efforts have helped Chinese stocks stage a remarkable rebound, the protests triggered a deadly fire in an apartment block, under lockdown in the western city also threatened to further dilute a moderate well anticipated monetary easing step by china's central bank more easing or refinement of the covid measures will be needed to curb discontent End quote. and this is you know interesting that blackrock even after some of these things have come out is still trying to double down on its investment in china I wonder what's happening there. I wonder if they have an inside track or if they are be giving promises. Or maybe they've just invested so much in China that they really have to say, no, 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 we're going to double down on our investment and you should too. Maybe they're trying to get people to pump money in so then they can get their money out before everything comes falling down. Quote, Optimism has reemerged in the Chinese market since Beijing cut quarantine periods and dialed back testing on November 11th, triggering a rally that added almost $370 billion to the value of equities in the MSCI China Index. A growing chorus of bullish China calls on Wall Street have cite- cited cheap valuations and friendlier policies. End quote. So, as I can... E- just said there, you know, the big boys on Wall Street, BlackRock and some other big investors are saying that this is the time to get into China. While a lot of the political analysts and a lot of the more small time investing firms are saying, I don't know, there's a little bit too much risk there for me. I can't just throw in a whole bunch of capital into China and hope everything goes well at the end of the day. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how everything pans out. If these protests settle down, if she's able to really cement his third term, and he already has cemented the fact that he's going to have a third term, but if he's able to cement power within the next few months and get protests under control, get COVID behind them, and fix the supply chain issues, then they're going to see a rebound. But at this point, the pessimists are winning this argument, saying that they don't see it coming anytime soon. All right, so that's enough talking about the markets in China. Let's go to our last article from express.co.uk. And this one, the headline reads, Brexit Britain eyes EV revolution with a new strategic asset to end reliance on China. So as everybody knows, over the last few years, we've had a really large push into the EV market. And the ever-growing popularity of these EV cars means that we're starting to develop larger, more efficient batteries. Batteries require lithium, cobalt, nickel, a lot of these precious metals. And you may be asking, why? Well, I know the article at the beginning here, it says they're trying to lower their reliance on China. But why are you talking about a article from the united kingdom talking about ev cars and then going on a tangent about batteries and the big connection here the connecting string is guess where a lot of those metals get refined and where a lot of the largest battery producers are oh wait for it china there you go if you said china you guessed right on that one a lot of the refining capabilities and battery factories for these large batteries that are used in these EV cars, are in China. So, at the end of the day, any country that's trying to move away from fossil fuels and trying to become less reliant on Russia, Saudi Arabia, all these other oil-heavy countries, then they have to turn to China because China has a huge market building these batteries, refining these Raw materials, and also, not to mention, they just have a large amount of these raw materials coming in because they're also a big producer of semiconductors and a lot of other technologies that use these exact same metals. so at the end of the day that's why you see certain companies like Tesla building their own factories here in the United States, and this is why you see another project coming out of the u k quote "A new electric battery site set to be built in a test side." could help end the U.K.'s reliance on China and provide electric vehicle, the electric vehicle industry with a massive boost. Alatom Metals, a U.K.-based clean technology startup, announced earlier this month that it plans to build a new recycling plant in the U.K. for end-of-life electric vehicle batteries. This site will help lower the cost of importing large quantities of materials critical to energy transition. Each, since materials in the battery consist a significant part of the cost of an electric vehicle, this site could make EVs in the UK much cheaper, end quote. And they go on to talk about here, it could... It could make the EVs in the U.K. cheaper because they don't have to get their batteries from somewhere else. They're also recycling materials, so they don't necessarily have to buy those rare materials from other countries. But they also talk about the importance of becoming less reliant on China. And they don't spell it out here besides the fact that, oh, well, we see what happened with Russia, how they can hold us hostage. So we don't want China to do the same thing. But there's also undertones of we don't want an authoritarian regime like Russia to be able to wield its power economically over us and tell us what we have to do. And that's what a lot of countries are doing currently. You see the U.S. doing the same thing with its CHIPS Act. And at the beginning, when I first covered the CHIPS Act, I was very, I was very in favor of it. Let's put it that way. I thought it was a great idea. Then, as I read more into it, and I kind of had it in the back of my head, but it was really present when I started seeing other people say it as well, which is, well, the fact that we're cutting off supply to China means that they're going to have to create their own industry, and their own industry might become more robust because of it, instead of being reliant on us, just like we're reliant on them for the finished product, they're reliant on some of the key inputs. So that kind of conversation came up in the back of my head, and I wonder if this same thing is going to happen in the U.K. They're going to stop say producing all these batteries in the U.K. with certain Chinese materials or refined materials, and then China's going to say, okay, well, there's not a market for it there in the U.K. anymore. We're going to make our own market here in the China, which they already have started doing. What I think they are actually going to start doing is saying, okay, If the first world countries, if the global north doesn't want to buy our batteries or our materials for our batteries, then we're just going to make good trade deals with the global south. And I think that can also be a dangerous thing. If the the west, the global north, if it turns away from China too quickly, then at the end of the day, they're going to have to sell it to other countries. And they're going to start supporting the more global south countries and give them favorable trade deals. And though at the end of the day it's going to benefit China more than it's going to benefit those global south countries, those global south countries are going to become so dependent on China in the long run that they're kind of going to be united with them. It's kind of how the U.S. and the USSR during the Cold War started supplying different amounts of money materials to certain African and Asian nations in order to sway them to their side and at the end of the day that could be a good thing competition on the global stage forcing different countries not forcing but having different countries take different sides and have different markets that develop and allow competition to grow could be a good thing but also it creates a place where those countries are ever more dependent on the big nations that are supporting them, and the big nations are just kind of sucking all the value out of them over time. So we'll see how this pans out. And I think that for the UK, it is a great move. At the end of the day, they are trying to become less dependent on China, and they're trying to make the EV transition cheaper for their citizens so that they can become less reliant on Russian oil as well. So there's lots of great geopolitical tactics here. But in the long run, you have to be very careful that you don't push away people, that even though they're not necessarily your allies, having them in a trade relationship with you keeps them in check more than if they're going out making their own trade relationships with countries that can't necessarily leverage their position on the world stage in order to get what they want. So we'll see how it pans out. I don't necessarily think that's going to be bad. The UK is probably very dependent in other ways on China's technology, but... China may take this as an aggressive move, and they may start selling to other southern countries, especially in Africa, where they already have a foothold, and they may start really taking advantage of those countries more than they already have with these kind of emerging economies that may start transitioning to do a little bit more green infrastructure here soon, especially if they get funding from these larger countries like China. All right, so we've talked enough about China and the downer of all those stories, and I I don't mean to say that that's negative and, oh, we moved on past the negative things. That's an important story or at least an important snapshot of what's happening in China and international relations right now. We need to have that conversation. But let's jump to our daily delight. And this one comes from the Dodo. I know I've been stealing a lot of the daily delights from the Dodo recently. Tiny Dog jumps in carved pumpkin and decides he lives there now. So Huxley is a five-pound Pomeranian pup who lives each day of his life to the fullest. Quote, when we were not socializing around town, Huxley and his family love playing together at home. The tiny pup is usually obsessed with puzzle toys and tennis balls. But Chen, his owner, wanted to try something new this year. So she bought a Huxley-sized pumpkin and decided to carve it for him. And you to see this little guy in in the picture of her carving it. He looks so excited. He looks very curious. What's mom doing here? I I can't. I don't know what she's doing. Uh, By the time that she had it all carved out, he started to be curious. Quote, after a few nibbles around the inside, Huxley proudly poked his head up, revealing a giant smile on his face. He sat in the pumpkin for a while, looking at his parents, who were now attempting to coax him out. But he refused to budge. And if you want to see, it, there are some funny videos and photos of this guy hanging out in his new little house and taking some little nibbles of it. And if, like I said, if you want to see any of the videos or any of the photos, you can find them in the link in the description below, that like and subscribe button, along with the Twitter handle, uh, at your daily flip, where I try to post something every single day. Maybe it's a link to the podcast on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Other days it's commentary, retweets, things of that nature. And with all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.